Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Call 9-1-1. The fire in Colorado started by Nolan Arenado. He's five for five with three home runs and seven RBIs in the seventh inning, people. 21 homers for the year. Man, give us some of that. We need this. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, bad news potentially for Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. But perhaps good news, or at least under the circumstances, the best news one could hope for if you are a Dallas Cowboy fan, Jamel. Uh, that is right. Uh, this sort of just in, Dallas police have suspended their investigation into Sunday's altercation, allegedly involving Ezekiel Elliott due to an inability to contact the victim who reportedly provided an old address and incorrect phone number. This, of course, does not mean that the NFL's own investigation into a domestic violence accusation against Elliott is ending right. now we talked about this obviously because it's been in the news your position was well we don't have all the facts right well it looks we like still don't. we still don't have any of the facts and it looks like uh things have stopped here so does that mean okay we're good now let's just well, we may not get all the facts from a police away. perspective a police investigation perspective but as we know the nfl is not beholden to law enforcement and what law enforcement does or does not do it certainly helps Ezekiel Elliott from the standpoint that he doesn't have an arrest or a prosecution or a charge or what have you on his uh, rap sheet, if you will. I put rap sheet in quotes because he's never been officially arrested or charged with anything. Uh, but the NFL can still look into this. And if they decide to uh, assess a cumulative personal conduct suspension with just all the different things that have popped up, they can include this incident if they were to find more than the witnesses were willing to uh, provide to police if they were to find more in their own investigation. And again, NFL investigation, such a tricky thing to assign credibility to. But if they were to assign more it, or find more, it doesn't mean he's out of the woods yet. But I go back to what I was saying from the beginning, and I'm glad I did, and you did as well, in fairness, is that to jump to conclusions and say, okay, here Zeke goes again, getting into trouble. We didn't know what happened then. And right now, it seems like he's dodged this situation from a legal standpoint. Well, let's hope that this is yet another teachable moment for yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. And that was... You can learn it easy way or the hard way. Correct. And if nothing comes of this, and again, like you said, at least legally, he can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. But let this be another lesson to him that... You need to lower your profile. All right. I mean, I know people know who you are, but you need to limit your visibility at this point. So don't go out. No, I'm not saying that. But when you when you go out, you have to be really careful about where you go and who you surround yourself with, because you're at a vulnerable point. As you mentioned, the NFL is already looking into you. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to give or you just don't want to give them any more reason to continue to stay on your head. Your advice is sound in general when it comes to a high-profile professional athlete, especially in Dallas. But we do something that bothers me, and we, we want it both ways. It's like whenever a guy gets off uh, you know, from, a, from a situation and he's not charged or he avoids you know, any kind of legal trouble for it, we say, well, it doesn't mean he's not guilty. It just means he wasn't charged or convicted of said crime. So in this situation... 
the advice you're giving, while generally sound, it, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit, to be honest with you, because what if he didn't do anything? Like, may, this might not be a situation where the witness just wouldn't cooperate or this was, take, you know, protecting a Dallas Cowboy or whatever it was. Maybe he actually didn't do anything okay, but the, that would warrant him keeping this lower profile. Well, again, this goes back to the other investigation as well. Which he and may then, not have done anything there. Right, but the whole point is he's being investigated. Mm-hmm. Somebody is... Checking behind to see what are you doing and what are your activities. So all I'm saying is this. Look, I hear you, Mike, and I wasn't convicting him of it already. What I am saying is that, and Jerry Jones talked about this yesterday, with this fame comes a lot of responsibility. And the unfair part of fame is when you have everything to lose, that people... People will try you. People will say things to you. People will come at you. 100%. And they could be all in the <laughs> we wrong. Both know it. But when they but when the headline is done, it's going to say Ezekiel Elliott, not the other person. 100%. And before we move on, I'll just say this. I agree and appreciate everything you're saying and it's right. But you're talking about fame. I'm also talking about fairness. And that's something we got to practice in general, too, because everything we're talking about, about what he needs to do and how much he needs to change is not just restricted to you're a Dallas Cowboy and everybody's watching you. It's coming from a place of a presumption that he has put himself in difficult circumstances. Now, aside from the the St. Patrick's Day situation, we don't know that he did anything when it comes to the domestic violence situation. We We don't know that he did anything in this bar. So uh, those two things, how can you say, you know what, man, you need to change how you live in your life if we don't know that he did anything, but we don't know that he did anything that he needs to chill from. Right, I, and I, I didn't say chill forever, but right now you're being investigated. Right, just j- okay. just lay low. All That's right. it. Not hard to do. We're okay? blowing up the rest of the show. I think we got to move on. Uh, Blake Griffin and the Clippers at a pre- press conference today for no other reason than to say, "Hey, we gave this guy a five-year, 173 million dollar deal because of money." And with Chris Paul in Houston, the Clippers are now officially the Blake Griffin Show. Is this your team now? And if you believe it is, is there added responsibilities that come with that? Uh, that's never really been a, a concern of mine. I think that's something that, that on the outside you hear, um, but within the team, I don't think I've ever heard a guy say, "Hey, man, uh, whose team, who's team do you think this is?" You know, it's it's just it's just not how it is. Well, I tell you how it is in LA now, uh, and this is no disrespect to Blake Griffin. It is his team. He is the headliner now. I know. I mean, that was gracious what he said, but he's the big name. Uh, He's on the marquee. Well, the Clippers, unfortunately, your time as being relevant is up. It is up. Because I know we'll talk about them. I know some disrespect was coming when you said no disrespect. Well, it it, it is. And look, they they made a lot of, uh, what was the word you used? Interesting. Interesting moves. They have some interesting players. The best of a bad situation. They did. But with that other team in L.A. now, Blake Griffin, it's just... This is why I made it so sad that that window that he and Chris Paul had, that they were never able to fully capitalize, be it because of their own doing or because of the fact that it was just injuries and things happen. Because now he will, while he may be the, the king of this team, he may be the big name of this team in that town. Now it's shifted in the complete other direction. So that, well, you could argue whether or not it was ever a Clippers town, even when the Lakers were down and the Clippers were ostensibly contending. You could argue whether it was ever truly a Clippers town. But to say they're irrelevant, that's harsh, that's extreme. It's a, pretty, a bit of a hot take, right? There. Irrelevant? They may, look, in the Western Conference, they may not be a playoff team, even though they have some nice pieces that they acquired throughout free agency and, and the offseason through trades. 
but irrelevant. Now, a, a team with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, an all-NBA center, and I get, you know, we'll see how many lobs he's able to catch it off CP3, with some interesting, there's that word again, <laughs> veterans yeah. that they got from the Rockets, with Jerry West running the show, with Steve Ballmer on the sideline, and Doc Rivers coaching can never be irrelevant. They, they, they're, they're more interesting now than they were before because, like, well, what are wait, they Wait, wait, wait. They're more interesting now than they were before? Because you kind of knew how it was going to end lately, at least with this team. Like, that like, doesn't make any is, sense. Like, wait a second. No, from, from this standpoint, okay. from this standpoint, because you knew that you, you said this, you wanted to break it up. You wanted to break it up because After you knew they, they appeared to hit a ceiling. But you knew they had a ceiling. How long have you known they had this no, ceiling? No. Well, I felt a like couple a, of years. a couple seasons, right. A lot of people But when they got like together, this. I said, ooh, okay, this is spicy. But a lot of people felt like this team just, the, the, the Warriors and other teams in the West had separated themselves and the mm-hmm. Clippers were long fooling themselves. What I'm saying is, you have Chris Paul saying, I need to go to greener pastures in order to win. Basically saying what I left behind, as you pointed out, was not good enough for me to contend. They're interesting and intriguing from the standpoint of, wait a second, nobody's expecting much from this team. Doc Rivers has all kind of rumors but about him and his son. Nobody ever expects much from the Clippers. Right, and look at what they put together. The <laughs> so people they're back that to assembled. what they used to be. Okay, okay they're not agree as to, bad. Agree to disagree. Not, I'm not agree saying they're, you know, Blake Griffin is you, not chopping. You're not hearing me. He's not chopping. You're listening, but you're not he's hearing me. He's a really me. good player. I can hear Jimmy. I like Patrick Beverly, the fact that he's bringing some edge and some spice to it. There's still a story. Okay. Kyrie and Melo, one hell of a pickup pair, and I'd say this was at UCLA. The Cavs fans would love it if Uncle Drew would dish and dimes to his Team USA teammate Melo at the Q. Houston still seems to be the relatively speaking more realistic uh, option, but the harsh reality is that for Melo, he may remain a Knicks, something in which he has no interest, or so says Woj. Could the Knicks really bring him back to camp? Well, <laughs> There's common sense, and then there's the way that the Knicks do things. But, look, here's the thing. Uh, the Knicks, at this point, they kind of have no choice but to see this through. I don't think that they want – we know they don't want to buy them out. They've said that and made that clear. They owe Melo a, a little bit too much money. And this is where Phil Jackson, among the many ways, he jammed them. When he tanked Melo's trade value with his hot takes about Melo uh, in the media – then now, if you're, if you're them, and I realize that you need to hit the reset button, as they probably should have done years ago, but now if you're them, like, what would be acceptable in terms of what kind of, what, would, what could they take to get them? Like, you can't just dangle them out there and just hope for anything. Like, they have to hold on to them at this point. And, and look, maybe they're thinking, and maybe this is being naive, they have Scott Perry in there, Steve Mills has been there, but maybe they're thinking this new influx of blood that Melo might he might warm up to it. And they might be able to say, hey, that was Phil who, who thought that of you. We think a little differently. Yeah, look, I, I told you before, the no-trade clause, it's a blessing and it's a burden because he can control where he, has, where he can go, but he can also control where he can go. And if right. he's not going to open himself up to other destinations, the Knicks, no matter what the previous regime did, and, and by regime I mean Phil, obviously it was organizational, no matter how much they may have ostracized Carmelo, if it doesn't make them better, they're under no obligation to move him just because he's made up his mind mm-hmm. that he is no longer a Nick and he is a Rocket. They have to do what is best for them. And if it means bringing him back, while it'll be a circus, that's also called any day that ends in Y in New York when it comes right. to bringing him back. And you know what Melo's going to do? Play and play hard. Yeah. Because he's been unhappy, at least for the organizational direction for a while, and yet he's still shown up and been a professional. He likes the city. He's cl- Look, Lala said on Breakfast Club this morning she's not moving. Mm-hmm. So his, his obviously his son's still there. So he'll find a way to do his job if he's forced to go back. Interesting note for us today. According to the Oregonian, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum have both reached out to Melo to try to convince him to come to Portland. You know they've been doing the Instagram, you know, um, 
What the je- with the jerseys? Or? Yeah, yeah. The, the Instagram pictures with him and, and Brandon Roy's old number, mm-hmm. number seven. I told you, if I'm mellow, and I'm seeing how difficult it is to get the Knicks or anybody else to take Ryan Anderson's contract from Houston, and Cleveland has no leadership right now to be able to pull off this deal, I'm looking at Portland and saying, if I can get there with that backcourt and that big man, that could be an interesting team in the West. Maybe not top two in the West. But a contending team, at least I can play more meaningful basketball than summer pickup games with Kyrie. And, and that's a fair and reasonable point. But Melo has always struck me as somebody that once he's locked into something, he's locked into it. And, and he wants Houston. And I think he'd be willing to just stay in New York and uh, be closer to his son or be close to his son as opposed to going somewhere else uh, like Portland. And he wants a big market, too. Yeah. So, um, the Cavs may not be at Knicks level dysfunction. But this summer hasn't been great for them. LeBron is reportedly frustrated by the Cavs' lack of progress in building a team that's better equipped to beat the Warriors. Now, owner Dan Gilbert also supposedly fired GM David Griffin as he was negotiating a Jimmy Butler trade. Kyrie, what's the word you would call this? I understand we're in a a very peculiar place. We just have to, you know, make sure that all our pieces are aligned first. And, um, you know, then we go from there. It's the summertime, a lot of craziness going on in the NBA, so... You know, best to just observe and then see what happens. But obviously there are some things that I'm pretty sure our organization wants to do. And uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Peculiar, huh? Is that the right word to describe? Uh, Pathetic. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A different P word. Putrid. (laughs) Poor. Another kind of poor that I would say if I weren't on uh, a family, you know, show right now. How... How much, how badly do you have to have managed the LeBron situation? You got to appreciate what an explosive element this LeBron situation is, okay? How badly do you have to have mismanaged it to where a Lakers team on the come up, a lot of excitement, but with a rookie and a bunch of young pieces, actually a viable alternative to the three-time defending Eastern Conference champion where a LeBron, there's so much smoke around LeBron James to where there's got to be some fire when it comes to this L.A. thing. That's a more difficult path to the finals. Even if you like Lonzo Ball and how unselfish he is and you like the young pieces and you like the cap room and you like the direction of the franchise, for you to be willing to leave home again and leave Kyrie and Kevin Love a proven winner from the Eastern Conference to go there shows you how bad of an offseason they've had when you're talking about, okay, we're just going to stand pat. We're not going to, we're going to lowball the GM replacement that we wanted after not retaining the GM that we had that helped us get here. We're going to lowball Chauncey Billups and just sit back and watch while everybody in their mama gets better. And we're just going to say, oh, no, we're good. We're good. Let the Celtics catch up at Eastern Conference. Let the rest of the West get stronger. We're good. This doesn't make me doesn't feel, make sense. This doesn't make me feel good to do. But... Can I provide a small defense for Dan Gilbert and Be my guess. Cavs management? Again, I, I find no joy or pleasure in doing this. You know, part of the reason why they are in kind of a cap hell and why there's not a whole lot of moves they could make because they decided to play to overpay certain role players and which LeBron publicly supported them paying them. Well, how do you know there's not a lot of moves they can make? Because well, by all accounts, they were working on the Jimmy Butler and Paul George trade right before he let go to general Working management. on. We don't know how close it was, okay. but, but when you look at their situation in terms of what they can do, Mike, they don't have a lot of options. Neither did Sam Presti. Sam Presti, on the surface, nobody said, oh, he's going to flip Victor Oladipo um, and, and, and the Sabonis kid for Paul George. And you also when you're LeBron, you're looking at when you look at LeBron, you're but, looking at what went for Jimmy Butler but and Paul George. Fair, but to be fair, what interest would the Pacers have in helping the Cavs? Like a lot of these teams, they're not trying to help the Cavs win a title. That's okay, they, teams are going to do also what's best for their teams. Right. And if Kevin Love, and they don't have say, any draft. Say picks, Kevin Love, nobody involved. wants Kevin Love's contract. Somebody so might have wanted him. 
everybody, you, so you mean to tell me all these teams that shock us throughout this offseason, like Houston, finding a way to get deals done. I mentioned Minnesota. We mentioned OKC. You're LeBron. You're supposed to sit back and say, oh, well, you know what? We couldn't do much of no, anything. So won't. it doesn't matter that we don't have a general manager in July. Well, that was obviously their biggest misstep. What's but the I'm craziest story? That- the Panthers firing their general manager and, re- and replacing him in July, or the Cavaliers <laughs> still not having a general manager in July for LeBron James? Probably the latter. Probably the latter. I'm sorry. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at Dan Gilbert. <laughs> Mike Williams, the Chargers' first-round pick. Might need surgery on his herniated disc that would end his rookie season, league sources told Adam Schefter. Initially diagnosed with the injury after his first practice during rookie minicamp, has not practiced since. The seventh overall pick out of Clemson, Williams has shown some encouraging signs after receiving a second epidural on his disc in a last-ditch effort to have him ready at some time during training camp, though the Chargers are preparing as if he will not be ready for the start of camp, sources told. Were you sad, Mike? Because I know how you feel about Philip Rivers. I know how you feel about Philip Rivers. I like Philip Rivers. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't recall you saying many kind things over the years about Philip Rivers. I'm not saying anything bad about Philip Rivers. Not as a person, but him as a quarterback. <laughs> no, I, 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 okay, well, I know how most people feel about Philip Rivers. He's a really Rivers. enclined cat. I dig him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging talking to you. <laughs> right. No, but most people feel he's overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's an underachiever. He just puts up a lot of great numbers and never won anything. And I look at a guy who, I, I, yes, I have loved since he was slinging that thing sidearm with a visor coming out of NC State. I look at a guy who is as star-crossed and snake-bitten a quarterback as we've seen in modern times. Hopefully we have time. If I don't, if I don't ramble anymore, we'll have time to talk about Mike Sando's panel with the top ten quarterbacks in the modern era. Phillip Rivers is going to go down with some of the best passing numbers in NFL history. And he hadn't been to the playoffs in about four or five years or something like no, that. No, it seems crazy to believe. But look at the people he's had to hand off to, the people who block for him, the people, the receivers he's had to throw to that he's made look better than they actually are. Every year, some key player, and Mike Williams was counting on to, to, to compliment him. Uh, you know, Keenan Allen also coming back from injury. Keenan Allen, that wide receiver. Every year, somebody gets hurt for Phillip Rivers. It's yeah. just a shame. Well, well, well it, with Mike Williams in particular, and I agree with, with everything you said, it is somebody who is as talented as him. It is kind of, I wouldn't use the word heartbreaking, but it is kind of disappointing uh, that they haven't been more of a postseason factor lately. The interesting thing that, that seems to be about this Mike Williams situation is the fact that this might have been an injury that he sustained either at the combine or during his pro day workout, which I thought the whole point of the combine was that you were supposed to, you know, kind of do your due diligence. Same thing with, with pro day as well. So if that's the case and he was able to mask it, it's kind of. So you're adding Chargers mismanagement to the list of things. That put <laughs> well, there? we've seen some of that as well. We've seen some special teams blunders. It's just if it ain't one thing, it's another in L.A. I hope I didn't say San Diego Chargers. It's still. Oh, yeah, that's there. right. Yeah, I don't know. You might have. So a couple days ago, the truth, Paul Pierce officially retired as a member of the Celtics. Well, today, one of the newest Celtics explained how important Paul Pierce has been to him. I mean, how could I be upset about going to the Boston Celtics? You know, I've always been a, Paul Pierce, always been my favorite player. You know, reached out to him to I can get some work in with him. So, you know, how can how can I ever, you know, have a bad thought about it? See, that. Yeah, that was a big compliment. You haven't been out the league that long, and already they're treating you like an elder. <laughs> well, I've been an elder for the last four or five years. Yeah. yeah, I've been in the league 19 years. A lot of these guys saw me play coming up. And plus, he's a Kansas guy. You yeah. Know, oh, I yeah. with all my Kansas guys, the, the, the Morris brothers, followed them along with Wiggins, a number of guys that's in the league right now that went to my alma mater. 
So I'm, I'm not surprised that you were petty enough to wear net shorts when sure. you signed. Sure. Because we play cards with you, so we know that you cheat and you petty. You ain't Rondo. <laughs> no, that may be Rondo, not me. Yeah, but what was up with that? Why did you decide to troll Danny Ainge like that? You know, just to remind him. You know, you sent me. I should have not had to leave Boston. But, you know, I, I came back. I wanted to always retire Boston Celtics. Something I said years ago, far before I ever got traded, so I just was trolling Danny. No, you, your fingerprints, like, and Morris is the latest, your fingerprints are all over this franchise. <laughs> They're still reaping the benefits from that trade. Right, so if right. they ever win a ring as a result of all these picks, you should, you get, should get another ring from them. one of the fastest rebuilds, I guess, you know, when you talk about a team that come from title contention to winning the Eastern Conference, you know, four Six years later, you know, yeah. especially when you start to rebuild, you know, the turnaround was pretty quick. You don't really see that in basketball too often. That's I a mean, fast forward in the process right there. Definitely. However, when we talked to you, I think around the lottery, you were like, trade the pick. Trade. Now, they ended up trading down with Philly, but you wanted to trade for a veteran player. Jason Tatum reminding a lot of people of you, albeit in summer league, do you still feel like they should have traded the pick? Or now that they've gotten Tatum and Gordon Hayward, you feel like they're in a better position than they would have been had they traded? Well, they was able to accumulate enough, more assets with trading the pick. You got Tatum. You got another draft pick possibly coming in the following year. You added Gordon. So I think they did well. Danny Ainge is really doing a great job at really micromanaging the situation. Not really like getting over his head, pulling like crazy moves off because people are saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. And so, you know, he's, he's done a great job. And I like where they at. I like the kid Tatum. He really looked good. Do you see yourself in him? I see a lot of offensive potential. You know, you see a lot of these not guys. You. Okay. <laughs> not you. Like you didn't say myself. I see a lot of offensive potential. <laughs> you, know, you see a lot of these guys come in and they get compared to, to past former greats, uh, to Kobe Bryant, to, you know, the past Shaq or whoever. But, you know, the difference that separates guys of the past is the mentality they brought to the game. You can say, oh, he plays like Kobe. Oh, he plays like Paul. He has the footwork, the jumper. But, you know, people don't understand it's the mentality we carry. You yeah. know, the toughness, the grit that, that we brought. Instinct. That killer instinct. You know, those are the traits that you can't just install into a player. But they can have all the tools. It's just he has the tools, though. If he can develop that grit, that toughness, you know, the sky's the limit well, for Speaking him. of comparisons, D. Wade, he tweeted that this year's draft class could be as special as the class of 03. Too much I don't pressure. Know about they that. all That's look good in pressure. summer league. Everybody right? looks good in summer league, but let's not let's not get past ourselves. When we that was saw, a hot take right in there. That, in, that, <laughs> in that draft, we saw LeBron. You know, you had hundreds of NBA players flying out to see his NBA his, his high school game. He, they were saying this kid was good enough to play in the All Star game as a senior in high school. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have this type of hype around anybody in this draft. You saw Melo as a freshman win a national championship. Yeah. You saw Dwayne put on a special performance in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So but That class didn't have LeVar Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to take away from LeVar Ball. Uh, he's a product of his father's marketing genius. Not to say he can't play. He can play. I was saying, that sounded like shade. More people <laughs> know more about LeVar than any of the draft picks. Nobody's talking about Dennis Smith Jr., who, in my eyes... It's probably going to be rookie of the year. That's your favorite one? That's my pick for rookie of the year. You know, Mark Elfos haven't had a chance to prove itself, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just see, but the potential is definitely there. So when Magic says, oh, you know, there could be more triple doubles in Lonzo Ball's future. Yeah, triple doubles in Summer League, you get triple doubles in regular season. <laughs> that doesn't not trans- that simple? No, no. You know Summer League doesn't translate to NBA player. You, a bunch of these guys will never see an NBA training camp and will probably never even see – 
going overseas. You but know, but on the guys, other side of it, if Lonzo has struggled, people would be on his head yeah, if he any of them did. Everything he needed to do that right. you wanted to see from a number two pick. You just wanted to see him go out there, be solid, you know, get better over the time of summer league, get comfortable in the system, and be ready for the season. Yeah, one person uh, who definitely was checking out summer league was LeBron James. He mm-hmm. checked out, I think it was Lonzo Ball, one of his games. Right. Now, Kyrie Irving, he, he caught the Cavs summer pe- uh, peculiar, all right, given that what happened with David Griffin, the, uh, the, fact, <laughs> the fact that the Cavs haven't made any moves really that seem to have brought them any closer to the Warriors. Um, you kind of agree with Ky- Ky- Kyrie's done, assessment They've there. done all that they can do. This team was built to win a championship. They created their big three. Now, Kevin Durant just raised the bar. Mm-hmm. Think about it. If Kevin Durant doesn't go to doesn't go to Golden State, this Cavs team is probably the favorite to win this championship. Now that the bars got risen, it's like, what do you do? You know, nobody it's not a lot. They can't nobody do. saw this coming, and now the whole league is in a frenzy. It's like, do we rebuild? Do we add players to get better? And now the but other, but Paul, other teams found a way. It's like you you're right. Maybe it's it's a long shot for they're not going to add the equivalent of Kevin Durant. Right. But when you don't have anybody proven in the seat that's driving this bus to do whatever it is you could do, or at least turn over, leave no stone unturned. Like when you hear reports that they were working on the Jimmy Butler trade or so close, I think Woj said this, they were so close on Paul George, they were going to put Paul George on the phone with Dan Gilbert. And and so if you're LeBron and you're hearing that, you're like, I don't care what we couldn't do. We didn't try hard enough. If I'm LeBron, I'm definitely frustrated. You know, you got to understand LeBron has two or three more great, great years left. And then he's going to probably have to defer to a younger superstar. But while this window's still open, you have to do something about it. You have to do something with LeBron to make him, to make his team better, to give them another opportunity to win. You don't get a LeBron James ever. He's a transcendent ever. player. Yeah. He's a tra- you don't get this type of player in, in a lifetime. So you have to take advantage of it. Before, so, we, before we let you go, can we take advantage of one thing real quick? Earlier in the show, Blake Griffin got intro- reintroduced today. Like, okay. they had the press conference for him signing his contract. So no CP3. J.J. Reddick said he turned out, you know, less money or more money in Houston to go to Philadelphia. New look team, right? She says they're irrelevant now. you L.A. guy, number one, obviously finished up with the Clippers. Would you life. go so far as to call the Clippers irrelevant now? Not irrelevant. I mean, you still have two all-stars. You got DJ and you got Blake Griffin. You know, they're going to take a step back because you lose a great point guard in CP3, but there is a lot more excitement around the Lakers. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, but, you know, the Lakers have always been the L.A.'s team. Yeah. So, I mean, that's they had just a little. They had a window. That's why it's very disappointing <laughs> that they weren't able to produce more when they had CP3 Shoot. and Blake. And so they're 15 minutes up? they <laughs> are. <laughs> <laughs> It's up. Like, yeah, they got it was, 30 seconds left. They got, see, he, he basically agrees with me. He was just trying to be nice to you. All right, next time, cards, okay? All right. <laughs> but no Rondo. <laughs> Cubs called a break. Chris Bryant, when he was sliding in the third in the first inning, sprained his left pinky. X-rays were negative. He's day-to-day. Aren't we all? One of our former colleagues said all the time, right? It's Damian Woody who says that. No, no, no. That was either Dan Patrick or Keith Overman, one of them. Anyway, uh, Cubs went on to win the sixth straight. They're unbeaten since the break, and they are now two back of the Brewers. That sliding in the first thing, is, or sliding in the head first, excuse me, has been a pretty uh, rough go of it for stars lately. Hey, Animal. Oh, hey, Justin Turner. You know, a lot of the guys say me and you look exactly alike. Look alike? Us? That's what they say. Me no see it. 
Me either. <laughs> All-star Justin Turner has had an incredible career turnaround since signing a minor league deal with the Dodgers in the spring of 2014. Since then, his 17.2 wins above replacement ranks second on the team, trailing only some guy named Clayton Kershaw. And with that, we welcome in Animals twin, Justin Turner. Justin, you are just killing it this season, batting 370, by far the highest average in Major League Baseball. What, what have you been doing different? What, what, is, what light bulb has gone off for you this season? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of trying to do the same stuff that I've been doing the last few years, and, and that's just being able to repeat my swing and, and trying to take a quality at bat every time, not worry about uh, the results so much. And, uh, you know, this year I've just hit a few more balls that are finding holes where uh, last year I probably lined out a few more times. So uh, results are, are definitely better, but uh, we still got a long way to go, and there's still a lot of work ahead of me. Uh, not only is everything working for you, it's working for your team. 30-4 and four over your last 34. Do you know that the Dodgers are the first team to win 30 games in a 34-game span since the 1977 Royals? When you hear that, what do you think? Uh, I think it's uh, pretty cool. You know, we got a great group of guys um, and a lot of talent over here. And I uh, just have to tip our cap to the front office for everything they've done, all the, all the roster depth they've created. And it seems like anytime something happens and someone gets called up, uh, we don't miss a beat. They step right in and uh, have a huge impact on this team. And uh, the pitching's been great all year. Uh, bullpen's been outstanding again this year, just like they were last year. And uh, I think if you look at the lineup, uh, you know, one through eight, doesn't matter who it is, we're getting production up and down from the top and bottom. And when you have a different guy playing a hero uh, every single night, uh, it, it's a good recipe to win a lot of games. And I imagine it was a lot of fun for you uh, being an all-star for the first time. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was uh, it was a whirlwind. You know, the whole week leading up to it, uh, with the whole final vote thing, getting voted in, uh, was overwhelming, and uh, can't believe the amount of support I got from Dodger fans uh, all over the world, and also the Kansas City Royal fans who, who we teamed up with uh, to help get Moose in as well. And uh, then when you get there and, and you're surrounded by uh, you know the best players in the world. Uh, you just kind of look around and you're in awe. So it was uh, definitely something special, something I'll never forget. And, and uh, you know, even though it was a final vote to, to get in there, uh, it's something that, you know, I didn't take for granted and uh, will be special to me for the rest of my life. I saw a headline today, Justin. I think it was in the Washington Post that uh, you guys, the Dodgers, are becoming the Golden State Warriors of Major League Baseball. What do you think about that comparison? Do you feel something special in the works here? Uh, I definitely think we have a, a special team. I don't know if uh, if I would quite compare us to the Warriors. We haven't accomplished anything yet other than, you know, getting to the playoffs the last four years. But, uh, you know, definitely have a special group here, a lot of talent. Um, I think I uh, don't know if anything is going to happen at the deadline or anything, uh, if they have any plans for that. But uh, even if nothing does happen, you know, we like our club. We like where we're at. Obviously, we're playing good baseball. And, uh you know, ooh, the Warriors, man, that's that's a tough <laughs> comparison right now. Well, you guys do have <laughs> Hopefully a, in three years you're, you're making the same comparison. Yeah, right. Right. Well, you guys do have a ten-and-a-half game lead. so a game winning know, streak. I mean, yeah, I would say domination is kind of in your forte right now. But thank that you. beard's dominating. Yes, that beard is definitely dominating. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you so much, uh, Justin, for joining us, and good luck the rest of the season.
Let's keep it classy, Mike. I prefer to call it sports debate porn. Uh, ESPN's Mike Sando, though, he polled 10 Super Bowl winning coaches and executives for their best quarterbacks of the modern era. Panelists included Tony Dungy, Pete Carroll, and Wade Phillips, among others, as you see the names. Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers. Young was the baddest dude I've ever seen for like a John Elway, Joe Montana, no surprise here. Peyton Manning. Like in boxing, Brady united the belt. <laughs> well, One game to win, start a team with. Toughest to defend is all Tom Brady. Tony Dungy had him listed six, by the way. Fired after a one and five start to the 2012 season and a six and 10 2011. Marty Herney is back at Panthers GM following the firing of Dave Gettleman coming off the six and 10 mark last year. Interim GM, that is. But it sounds like Herney introduced today is a familiar old face with a new approach. You know, I think the biggest thing, and it's a general thing, but making sure the analytical part of my brain takes over the emotional part of my brain. When I look back, um, and I look back at some of the mistakes, it might have been that loyalty, the emotional part of my brain, and that's when I've gotten in trouble in my life. You know, I have a big mouth sometimes. When the emotional part of my brain takes over, then that's not good a lot of times. So I think the analytical part has to be there. So explain Hold this up. to me like I'm a five-year-old. So Gettleman, too cold in calculating, impersonal. Hardline stance, cleaned up the cap mess. In comes Marty Herney to be cold blooded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense to you either. Huh? No, not not a lot. And I, like a lot of people, I'm still scratching my head over why they decided to do it. Probably because of the, the timing has a, a lot to do with it. And then to go back to somebody, you know, it's kind of like a relationship when you break up with someone. And you go back, then once you're there, thing back, like yeah, then once you're in the relationship, you realize, oh, so all the reasons we broke up before, they still exist. Yeah. But what if they got their stuff together? You know? <laughs> Different. What if the things that you love the bottom are still there and they improved? Like, Marty Herney stayed around the team, did the radio thing. Maybe he has learned from his mistakes. So while there's a familiarity in terms of, look, he did a lot of good things while he was well, there. He so people say, oh, Gettleman cleaned up his cap mess. To a Super Bowl, drafted, drafted a lot of the core, right? Okay, hired Ron Rivera. So there's a good working relationship there. You've seen a lot of coaches and executives the second time around be better having learned from their mistakes and having taken a step away from the game. So he, this could still work out well, but it's just interesting to hear him say that he's going to apply the very principles that the last guy did, and he, was a little, he went a little too far, apparently, for their liking, and now he's out of a gig, despite his bottom line. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that we'll find out in coming days as these things are. Maybe the real reason he'll I bet you J.J. Watt asked for this jersey. <laughs> he was like, give me an extra medium. That ain't that's a medium. You see his heart beating. Come on, JJ. That's young. That's what he's called. And that's young. Let's check out Snoop calling the UFC fight. Inside this O'Malley oh, combination. Three-piece dinner with biscuits. O'Malley! O'Malley! I pictured Dana White gave O'Malley a UFC contract after the KO, and he smoked with Snoop. <laughs> Want to smoke with the old boy Rick James? Um, we just saw Snoop at the ESPYs. We did. Wants to do a spoof with us. Yes, he does. As everybody does. Uh-huh. Not going to tell you what it is, but mm-hmm. you can probably guess. I want to be on this show. Yeah. Yep. Not, smoke. not, smoking. Smoking. <laughs> not smoking. Not smoking. Not <laughs> smoking. No. Make that clear. Oh, NFL coaches can now be ejected. After receiving two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties for abusive language. 
How many injections are we going to see? Bill might get tossed. The first one we should, Bill might get, Bill, Bill stays in the officials. Uh, this, like T2. Like, this, this will be interesting. It, it will. Interesting. I'm sure the players probably love this. They like that the, the tables are turned a little bit because, you know, uh, after some incidents, there was more scrutiny on their language. Uh, you know what? This is obviously the happens in baseball and, and that's all the time. I think they're going to have a real slow, long leash with the coaches. They don't want to kick coaches that's out the true. game. Lions, they no longer want to celebrate making the playoffs. That's wild cards. Because <laughs> it least. doesn't happen that often. Team President Rod Wood revealed that the team will no longer be hanging their playoff banners at Ford Field. A constant reminder of their one playoff victory since 1957. The division championships and their old NFL championships stay. Why you got to slander your hometown team? I know that's not your squad. It's not. But you put on for the D like up here right. and you slander the Lions. Like it's just extreme for me. Because it's so easy. They've just been so bad. Like why you hanging playoff banners? Really? That's why they that's why they won't be great. That's why. Uh, Kevin Bradley, the sportsbook manager of Bavada, said he expects the Mayweather-McGregor fight to get this, attract more bets than the Super Bowl. He also said an early round KO by McGregor would be a disaster for Vegas. Disaster for Vegas? Disaster for Floyd? Well, of course, but I, I, I have about four or five friends who all told me they plan to put money on McGregor because they're treating this like almost like a lottery ticket. I know I probably have no that long chance. At this point? Yeah, I mean, I they're, they're really... Oh, you, if you're going to yeah. do this, like, it's no upside in putting it on Floyd. He's expected to win this fight. So you go with the longer odds, which is McGregor. So a lot of people will be having their money taken, in other words. Jaguars defensive end Dante Fowler Jr. Arrest- oh, we got the mugshot. Damn. Arrested <laughs> in St. Petersburg last night on charges of simple battery after getting out of his car to confront and strike a man. Stomped on his prescription glasses. Took the man's grocery bag, which included liquor, and tossed it in a lake. That's the worst of it. The most, you throw away, wasted good liquor. Wasted good liquor. I knew your mind was going, go there. You don't do that. Anyway, no, you know the worst part about it is, according to the reports, Fowler confronted him after, it was like a road rage type incident. He criticized his driving with the way these road rage incidents have ended in recent years, man. You can't get out your car, no matter how much somebody might get on your nerves. You get out your car, it can end badly. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully he's learned his lesson. Uh, speaking of on the come up, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky finally signed his deal with the Bears. Money making Mitch just in time for rookies to report for camp today. Is that a Peter for? It is. Way to pick up on that. We should get used to him holding a pen since apparently he'll be holding a clipboard all season. Mike right. Lennon expected to be the starter all year. Now I'm old enough, Mike, to remember when rookie quarterbacks waited behind experienced starters, but this is Mike Lennon. So do you think Trubisky starts some games this year? He shouldn't. I mean, his issue coming out was that he was green, didn't have a whole lot of experience starting in college. He should not see the field no matter what. You sign Mike Glennon, let him keep his spot warm. Carson Palmer, Phillip Rivers, a lot of guys have sat and turned out just great. Bryce Harper sitting tonight after he and Mike Trout both homered in the first inning last night. Of course, the Nets uh, got the last lap. Washington beat the Angels behind a 4-4 four four night from Harper at the plate, so he was so hot. He was like, you know what, I need a rest. Uh, the Nets have won five straight. Can these two stars be connected without being compared? Because there is no comparison. Can they be connected, though? And I didn't realize it was that long since they faced each other, too. Yeah, uh, Yankees doing work acquiring bullpen help along with Todd Frazier. Well, I think, what did he do? He go 0 for 1, got hit by a pitch today. He's okay. Upgraded third base, upgraded the bullpen. But what I like about it is the White Sox, we keep talking about them, upgrading yeah. their farm system. Now I got 10 of the top 100 prospects in baseball calling up Yon Moncada. It's all good on, I mean, the, on the south side. Their rebuild has been... Kind of one of those underplay stories. Send your trust in the process. <laughs> the Suns have added 14-year NBA veteran, friend of LeBron James, James Jones. Don't start. What? 
to the front office as vice president well, of basketball operations. Smart guy. Seven finals with LeBron. LeBron to Phoenix. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Moving right along. No, but great. Or James Jones. Uh, who wants to sell Matumbo? Who wants to sell to Matumbo? I don't know. <laughs> he told Fox 26 Sports in Houston okay. that he's trying to put together a group to buy the Rockets. He played five of his final 18 NBA seasons with the Rockets. I love to I see him love in the ownership see this role. As, yeah. as well. Humanitarian, philanthropist, all-around great guy. Speaking of all-around great guys, before we call it a day, it would have been the 52nd birthday of our dearly departed colleague, Stuart Scott, who we try to honor on this show every single day. We know he's looking down at us, smiling, proud for us. He paved the way for us to do this. Uh, shout out to his daughters, his family. Taylor uh, and Sydney, yes. Taylor and Sydney, Kristen, everybody, his loved ones. And in his honor, we're going to do what he loved to do with his daughters, eat ice cream on the way out. Thanks for Stu. That's the hashtag. All right, Cardinals and Mets is next. We love you, Stu.